We've been going through Ephesians 6, and I'm going to take a little break from that in December. Uh, we're going to just look at today, Joseph, tomorrow, uh, next Sunday, Mary, I start to say tomorrow, and then the Sunday after, uh, we will just talk about the birth of Christ, because it'll be Christmas Eve. Amen? Amen. Amen. Man, uh, and, and I'm just excited to, to be able to do that. And today, uh, because you, you can't see it up there, there's a little space in your bulletin. If you want to take notes, I'll try to say some stuff, repeat things. Uh, in case you want to get it, if, uh, if you really want it badly enough, uh, I'll show you what I got later on uh, if, you, if you miss something. Uh, don't ask me what I said because I rarely remember, but you can listen to it on the podcast, all right? So um, anyway, uh, today, the title of today's sermon is What a Man, all right? Because in my opinion, humble and accurate, uh, ju- the, the, a man is necessary, That was slow. <laughs> Fathers are necessary, right? There we go. Okay, that was a little quicker. That's good because there, there's a philosophy today. Uh, uh, we call it second wave feminism. Uh, some other things it's called. But, but, uh, but there's this thing uh, that says a man is unnecessary. Uh, and, and a lot of times this is seen like in a single motherhood situation. And I know that there are some, some women that, that, that it's just the way things are. My wife was raised by a single mom, so, so I, I get that. Don't, don't take offense at what I'm saying. But, but some of those who are like militant about that say, well, a man's unnecessary. Well, then how are you going to raise a son? If you're going to tell him his whole life he's unnecessary, it doesn't even make logical sense. Whenever you get away from the Bible, it never does make sense. But anyway... Man is necessary, and we come to Christmas, and man, we talk about Mary, and Mary deserves to be talked about. But we kind of forget Joseph. And I am persuaded that God doesn't just choose randomly. God prepares people for certain jobs. From our perspective, it's God chose us to do something, and I I agree with that. But I believe he prepared us for what he chooses us to do. And the joy of, of our experience with God is to discover what God prepared me to do and then begin to do that. Amen? And, and, and so, as a man, God prepared me to be a man, thank God. God prepared me to be, among other things, a husband, still working on that one, and a father, working hard on that one too. Even though my kids are grown, I'm still a father, right? Amen. From conception to one of y'all die, you're the dad, right? Never changes. And, and so I find some encouragement in Joseph. I mean, if, if, we could, if we could model being a good father, I learned a lot of things from my dad. I, I tell you, I can remember my head sitting up on the, on the, on the uh, cabinet there in the bathroom uh, back home. And my dad shaving. I was a little kid, and he would just talk to me and tell me stuff. My dad didn't talk a lot. I get all this from my mom. Okay, that comes from my mom's side. My dad's side, they're very stoic. Very quiet. And so when he talked, you better be listening because it was worth saying. You know what I'm saying? You know, okay, good. All right, that was enough. I'll keep going. Uh, you know, it, it, was, it, it was good what my dad had to say. And I started pastoring, preaching when I was pretty young. And people would ask me, was your dad a preacher? And I always said, not at church. He was at home, but not at church. Uh, he, would, he would help us out. And my dad's one of the smartest men I knew. I've said this repeatedly. I'm going to say it again. He made it to the sixth grade. One of 11 children, number seven out of 11. They had a farm. His mom died. They, he, they needed help. He grew up on a farm. 
eating possums and sweet taters and poke salad. You may know the song, poke salad, Annie, the gator got your granny, chomp, 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 yeah. Well, I'm from Charleston, we had gators there, so I knew what that song was about, and I knew what poke salad was about, you know, you couldn't, they were poor, man, they, he told me, I mean, literally, he said, yeah, we trap possum, feed him corn for two weeks, and then kill him and eat him, like, yeah, you know, and uh, he told me when he was in school, he'd set a trap line going to school and collect the rabbits on the way home. And uh, they just, he just grew up living that way. And so he had a lot of wisdom. He had a lot of smarts to, to give me. And my dad did a lot of that by example. For example, every night at 11 o'clock, because he'd stay up and watch the, the news late and then go kneel by his bed and pray. To get up in the morning at 5 when he'd have to be at work till 8 and took him five minutes to get there to read his Bible and pray and to have devotions with the family over breakfast and to carry his Bible to work and have a Bible at work and read it at his lunch break. Now, my dad couldn't read very well or very fast due to his experiences in life, but he read through the Bible frontward and backwards all the time. And at some point, I don't even remember how old I was when I asked him, he said he had read it seven times at that point. But he just never stopped. And my dad, if you have been around me, he had Alzheimer's and had for a long time. And my dad, when he had lost the ability to know who I was or anybody else, would sit with his Bible in his lap, turning the pages. Because it was such a part of him. It had become such a thing. And so my dad was a great example to my sister and I. And, and I'm grateful for that. And, and I just wish all of us guys would follow that kind of godly example. And Joseph is one of those godly examples. In fact, the statement I want you to take home with you today, and you might want to write this down. It might already be in your, in, in your little sheet there in your bulletin or in your bulletin. And, and it's this. It takes a man to raise God. I want you to get a hold of that statement. It takes a man to raise God. I mean, do you believe Jesus is God in the flesh? The Bible says in Deuteronomy, God, the first job of teaching children comes to the Father. It's our job to teach our children the ways of God. I've told you some of the ways my dad did it. You don't have to do it exactly the same way, but it's the dad. God puts that responsibility on the fathers to teach the things of God to their children. And Joseph did such a good job that at 12 years old, Jesus could confound the preacher at church. Right? You remember that story? At 12 years old, he goes to the temple. He starts talking to the rabbis, those learned in the law. And they were amazed at his questions and what, what he was able to bring out and what he was saying. You say, and, and, and here's the thing. People in church have said this so long, you've believed the wrong thing. Well, he was God. He knew all that. But Jesus never did anything in his flesh on earth from birth to his resurrection except as a spirit-filled man. We see in Philippians, he laid aside his deity and became like us in order to give us not only an example, but a pattern that we were to follow of how we ought to live our life. If he had done all that stuff as God, we'd be going, man, you are a cool dude, but I'm hopeless. But because he did it as a spirit-filled man, and the Bible says in Romans 8 that if you are a believer, the spirit has come to live in you. And it says the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same spirit that Jesus had in him and the same spirit that raised him from the dead now lives in the church and lives in the Christian individually. Right? 
God, the Holy Spirit, the number three, uh, or the third person of the Trinity, lives in us. Therefore, he can illuminate God's word to us. Therefore, he can teach us what we need to know. Do you believe that? Jesus told us that's what he would come do. He said, I'm going to send another comforter that he might remind you and teach you what Jesus said. To explain this book to us. That's why as Baptists we believe in the priesthood of the believer. And that is you don't need me to get to God. You can go to God directly because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And the Holy Spirit can teach you according to the word. Right? Now don't come up with some cockamamie scheme and tell, you God, tell me God said that. You got, you got, it's got to be in here, right? I, I was reading a, a blog this week. It's things preachers should never say. And one of them is, God told me, and it said, the next thing out of your mouth better be a Bible verse. (laughs) Because if it's not out of here, it's not what God said, right? This is what God said, and he leads us in that. So would you stand with me? We're in Matthew 1. We're going to begin in verse 18. I'm going to read a few verses from 18 to 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, Uh, had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people From their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the mighty, wonderful things that you have given to us. And Lord, we pray now, as, as we've said, that God the Holy Spirit would illuminate to us the very words that he inspired to be written here. And so God, help us to understand a little bit about Joseph so that we might increase in our likeness to Christ. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Young, sit down. I, I, I just got to thinking about this one time and, and began to... to kind of look at Joseph. We don't have a lot in the Bible about Joseph. In fact, we don't have a lot about Mary, but we, we, a lot of things have been extrapolated from that. And of course, there's the veneration of Mary in, in, amongst Catholics uh, where, where they want to make Mary part of the deity, and some of them even believe that. And, uh, and, and so at least you've heard the term immaculate conception, just so you understand what that means. That the, the Catholic doctrine is that Mary never sinned until after the birth of Jesus. Well, that's bunk. She was a sinner, needed a savior. She gave birth to her savior. All right, but she was a virgin, we, we see in the Bible. And, and, and so Mary and Joseph are chosen to raise Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. And what I was saying earlier, Joseph is responsible to teach Jesus, just in case you don't put all that together. And he taught him so well that at age 12, he could confound those rabbis. Jesus had learned that, not as God, but as a child at the feet of his father. Working with them, doing whatever they did together, Joseph is teaching his son about God. And so there are some characteristics that, that I pull out of these verses that we can pull out. I don't think I'm going to do harm to the text to see it. And we see, first of all, that, that Joseph, as I said earlier, was a man prepared by God. 
Joseph was uniquely prepared by God to take this uh, to take this on himself. And it says, uh, this is the birth of Christ, and, and it says that Mary was betrothed to Joseph. And you've got to kind of understand that a little bit to get the full impact of this story. And that is, uh, we relate it to engagement. But engagement in today's world is not as big a thing as it was then. In fact, it's hardly a big thing at all. Uh, I was engaged before I knew Janice, okay? And she was engaged before she knew me. And those didn't make it, thank God, for me. She's kind of had some doubts, but thank God for me <laughs> that, that, uh, that, that mine failed. And you know what? We just broke up. You know, I moped around for a while and then got on with my life. Wasn't a big deal, but not in that day because the betrothal was as legal as a marriage. Here's how it worked. Joseph goes to Mary's dad, says, I want to marry your daughter. He agrees. They've settled on whatever uh, dowry price they had to pay. Uh, and, and so they get that straight. Then Joseph goes away and he builds a home for them. And then he comes back and gets Mary and takes her to their new home. Now, just in case you missed what I just said, I go to prepare a place for you. And where I go, I will come back and get you that you may be where I am. John 14, right? So it's a picture of us being the bride of Christ, and right now he's preparing our home. When it's ready, he'll come get us, and the marriage supper of the Lamb will take place. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so that's the, that's the picture. Now, there's one other little element in here you got to understand. Since it was so serious, see, today's engagement, I've, I, I taught my kids. I don't think they all followed this. But I, when, when I met Janice and, and I knew that I wanted to marry her, which I knew three days after I met her, Seriously, first date, I laid out some rules, and here's part of that. I will never say I love you till we're engaged. Because dating is to get to know someone mentally, engagement is to get to know someone spiritually, and the rest is saved for marriage. You follow me? Okay, good. I, I believe that. We think it's so cute. Oh, they got a boyfriend, they got a girlfriend. That is dangerous. In case you don't know, water runs downhill. So don't start something God doesn't mean for you to stop. Be friends with groups of people until God says, there they are. You say, I I don't want to. You know why kids don't do that? Well, number one, because they're not taught to do that. But number two, they don't trust God. I got to have a man. I got to have a girlfriend. I got to have a boyfriend. No, you don't. You got to have God. You got Jesus has to be enough for you before you're ever ready to get married. Okay, I'm going to follow a fat rabbit there, so I'm going to quit. So it was very serious, and it was so serious, it was legal for them to physically consummate, thank you, that relationship, but it was frowned upon in polite society. In other words, you shouldn't do that, but it was legal because it wasn't like a promise, there was money exchange, and to break that was as serious as divorce, okay? So, now there's the scene set. And so, here Scripture tells us that they're betrothed. And before they came together, Joseph is exhibiting self-control. Because of what I just said. How many of y'all married? How many of y'all remember the urge to merge? <laughs> Somebody back there is going, wait a minute. I think I can remember that. 
And the closer you get to that wedding day, the more difficult it becomes, especially when you're a young person, right? I, I, I've been, I, I quit cutting my hair and growing and, and cutting off my beard about two months ago when we said we're going to do this play, and I got a part, and, and this is part of my character, and Janice is going to attack me with a razor after the play today and make me shave all this off, and I'm going to get a haircut Tuesday. I'm looking forward to it all. But, but it took me two months to just do this. My son-in-law, the one that spoke last week, he could do this in one day, okay? <laughs> and so uh, in the time I've known him, he's had longer hair and big beards and shorter hair and no beards. And, and uh, so one day he just decided, and I mean, his beard got huge. And he was working at Liberty University. He said a Russian guy came in and went, you have beard. <laughs> you have good beard. <laughs> he said, that's the biggest compliment I was ever going to get. So he went ahead and shaved after that, but. He grew one of those beards when they were getting close to their wedding. And Janice looks at Savannah one day and says, I, I, you know, is he going to shave for the wedding? She said, yeah, he's going to shave before the wedding. And she said, I don't know how you could even stand to kiss him with that beard. And she went, Mom, that's part of the reason. Let's just be realistic. And I sit down with young people who want to get married. And I say, are you living together? Yeah. Let me just tell you, you've broken a trust that will never be restored. And one day when you're older, and I, I, I say, look at me. I used to look like you. Now I look like this. And I said, and when you get older, and he goes to work, and that young girl at work goes, you're so wonderful. You can't trust him because he did it with you. Why won't he do it with someone else? Just a very practical thing, young men, to consider. If you want your wife, your life partner to trust you, you elevate that relationship to the point of purity and hold it there until marriage. Amen? Some have failed in that, and I get that. I'm not here to condemn. Just want to help those for whom that's not too late of a message. Self-control. Not only that, not only have self-control, he was just. You see, he knew he didn't do that, and all of a sudden she's pregnant, right? So according to Deuteronomy 22, justice is he can go to her dad and say, I didn't do that, and this is done. And the law says you drag her out, and the elders... Hear the story, and they're not going to believe her because in their day, a woman's testimony at court is not believed. It counts for nothing. And Joseph claims that. See, they lived in a shame culture. And by Mary being found with child, and Joseph knows he's not the daddy, brings shame on him. Plus, it looks like he did something that everybody says you shouldn't have done. Even though it's legal, you shouldn't have done it. And so now, to show he is not part of that, what he has to do is say, no, I'm not marrying her because that's not my fault. And now he has no more shame. Sin has not come on him. The sin is all on her now. So he's a just man, and he's going to put her away. But he knows to put her away publicly and make a public declaration means her death. You see, he's also a kind man. He doesn't want to see that happen. So it says, so he's going to put her away quietly. What Joseph plans to do is go to her dad and say, listen, 
It's not my fault. And I don't want to hurt her. But I can't take that shame on myself. I didn't do that. And I'm not going to do it. And so I'm going to, we're going to break this off and here's your money back. But here's the deal. Not my fault. I'm out of here. And he's going to let her deal with it, but not in a way that causes her death. So not only is he just, but he's also kind. I don't know if you remember uh, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. It says, he's told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So Joseph has exhibited that justice. He's exhibited that kindness. You know, people we love and people we are in relationships with sometimes need justice, but they need it tempered with kindness. Mary didn't need justice. She was pure. She was just. She had not done anything wrong. But how do you tell your boyfriend, no, really, I haven't been with anybody. She told him the story, but that's too crazy to even believe. And so he's going to go through with this divorce But he does it in a kind way. But that last part of that verse, to walk humbly with your God, is about to come true in Joseph's life. Because notice this, not only was he just and kind, but he's a thinker. He's being thoughtful. He is allowing God to speak to him. In fact, he's sensitive to God's instruction. He considered these things. See, in verse uh, 26, it says he considered these things. He's thinking about it. He didn't just go, I'm done with Mary. Now, I don't know if that's out of pain, out of hurt, out of heartbreak. I I got a feeling he didn't just go, hmm, I like her, I'll take her. I think he knew about her. I think he knew her reputation, what a godly young woman she was. And and this is probably more than shocking to him that this happens. Like, you've got to be kidding me. No, not her. And so he's considering, he's thinking like, that's just not Mary, but... Who could believe what she said? I mean, not only has she sinned, now she's gone crazy. But he's thinking about it. He's struggling with it. He's wrestling with it. And in the midst of thinking about it, in the midst of that, he can hear what God has to say. And so the angel says, don't be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary as your wife because what's in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she's going to bear a son. He tells him to name him Jesus because he's going to save people from their sins and All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken. And the Bible gives us a commentary of the Old Testament, what it says. Because that name means God with us. So Joseph is listening to God. Dad, how much do you listen, fathers and other men, to what God says? You know, I, I, I can remember being single. Barely, but I can remember. And, and, and you look at the world and... They come up with pickup lines. You know, like, oh, this will impress her. <laughs> no, it doesn't, by the way, guys. You know, and, and so they come up with these cute ways to try to impress a girl. I'll tell you what impresses a girl. You walk with God. Because it takes a man to walk with God. I tell you, it takes a man to raise God. You can imagine what kind of man Joseph was. It takes a man to walk with God. That isn't for chumps. That's not for little sissy boys. It takes some backbone and some strength to claim the name of Christ and to speak boldly for him and to walk in that path. And I I encourage you to do it. Joseph did it. And here's the deal. It says, and when he woke from sleep, he did what the angel said. He got up and he did it. Now, I don't know about you. I'm a slow riser. My dad, my sister, and my wife, when their eyes open in the morning, they're up, period. 
done. Like I said, my dad got up at 5 o'clock. He walked to work, and it was a five-minute walk, and he got up at 5 o'clock just to read his Bible. I wake up about 10 in the morning. I'm out of bed at 5, but I'm not awake till about 10 in the morning. And then I get sleepy about 2 in the afternoon, so catch me between 10 and 2. I'm good. I, I, it's just, just the way I'm geared. It takes me a while to get it, get it all rolling. Once it's rolling, it's pretty good, but man, it takes me a while. I am amazed at what the Bible says. He woke up and he did what God said. I mean, his eyes opened, he went, good, wham, and he goes and he obeys God. Really? I'd have woke up and gone, man, that was a crazy dream. What in the world? I'd had to think about it all day before I'd done anything about it. But it says Joseph awoke and did what the Lord said. He was obedient, Right? He was obedient to what God said. And I want to point out, he also showed a lot of self-control. He took his wife and knew her not until she had given birth to a son. Not only, see, if Mary was not a virgin when Jesus was conceived, you have no salvation. Period. Medical reason why? Because the blood comes from the dad. The dad contributes the blood type. And the blood of the baby and the blood of the mother never mix. And Jesus had the blood of God in him. And Joseph says, you know what? This is a holy thing from God. I ain't touching you until after the baby's born. He married her. He took away. And what Joseph is doing is he's taking away that shame from Mary. And he's taking it on himself now. You don't think people knew this? They knew what kind of man Joseph was, too, because he was some kind of man. And when this happens, why did they get married so fast? You know, my grandparents' generation, they used to say, first baby can take any amount of time. It's the second baby takes nine months. That was a nice southern way of saying, we don't talk about it. You say, well, they didn't know, because he went ahead and married her. Really? That's why when Jesus was grown and he said, you're of your father, the devil, they said, no, Abraham's our daddy, and we don't know who your daddy is. It followed Joseph, it followed Mary, and it followed Jesus their whole life. And Joseph arose and did what the angel, had command, as the angel Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, and he, he maintains his self-control even after marriage. And he doesn't touch her that way. Until after Jesus is born. And by the way, Jesus did have half-brothers and sisters. Y'all know that, right? The book of James is written by his half-brother, James. Because he was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. His half-brother became a pastor. And that's pretty cool. So he keeps showing this self-control. And continued obedience. He called his name Jesus. Not Joseph Jr., you name him Jesus. So six months later, whatever it was, when the baby's born, no question about it, his name's Jesus. The angel told Mary, the angel told Joseph. Joseph said, well, what God said is what we're going to do. You see, Joseph always followed the will of God, even when it went against his grain and what he wanted. He followed God's example. So here's the deal. What do you do? Well, here's a couple things you can do. First of all, you need to be devoted to God. And you need to do what God's prepared you to do. 
You get to figure out, what did God make me to do? Do that. Because you can't do what somebody else has done. I, you don't have to preach like I do, because you're not me. You ought to thank God for that every day when you get up. I thank God every day I get up, I ain't you. <laughs> I thank God that he made me to be me. I, I, I got to serve in a Billy Graham crusade in 1986, spring of 1986. I know that because it was the year before I met Janice. And she was at that same crusade, and we didn't know it. It was in South Carolina, held in Columbia. Only South Carolina and Rhode Island small enough to have a statewide Billy Graham crusade. So it was statewide. And so one day, I was in the Billy Graham School of Evangelism, and I got to go to the First Baptist Church, Columbia, and Billy Graham came and spoke to 300 pastors in that Billy Graham School. And I'm up in the balcony at First Baptist Church, Columbia, and Billy Graham is speaking to us, and I don't remember anything he said except this. He came to the end, and he looked at us, and he said... Well, gentlemen, I need to go and, get pre- and prepare for tonight. Now, I've done revivals, and I promise you, I don't do a lot of preparation. I go in my files, figure something out, and take it with me. Because I don't want to have to restudy every time. And here's Billy Graham telling us before noon that he has to go get ready for tonight. Now, I don't know what he meant by that because he didn't explain it. I don't know if he went and prayed the rest of the day, if he restudied the text. I don't know what he did. But that's what he said. But that's not the most important part. Here's then what he said. He said, any one of you could preach better than me. But this is the task God has given me. And therefore, I have to go get ready. What humility. Not pride that he's speaking to thousands and thousands will come. This is just the job God gave me. You know what they said, what he said when they built the Billy Graham Library and they took him to see it. And he came out, they asked him what he thought. He says too much about Billy Graham in there. What did God make you to do? Do that. Then secondly, develop those godly character traits. I don't know what is in Joseph's life that you might feel is a little slack in yours. Go to God and say, God, I want to be a man like Christ. Joseph was a man like Christ. And so develop those godly character traits. They're found all through the Bible. You can find them. And then thirdly, I would say obey God quickly. Obey God quickly. If you know God has spoken to you, don't don't make him repeat himself. Once is enough. I mean, Joseph hears, I, I, I got a feeling he heard it from Mary. Mary said, no, I'm telling you, this is what happened. And he's like, yeah, okay, right. Let me go think about this. And he's decided all this stuff, and the angel speaks to him, and he goes, okay, I get it. And he obeys quickly. You see, he obeyed because God gave him the task to raise the Son of God. Last week, Stephen and, and Pastor Cream have both showed me something I didn't, never thought about before. And that is, in the Middle East, even today, it's a shame culture. And that's why in Islam, you can kill your daughter who wears western clothes because she's brought shame on the family she hasn't kept what they consider you know the sharia law the quran and so they can just kill her now you see the same thing in judaism you can kill mary but there's a due process islam is uh, there's no due process dad can just decide kill his wife kill his daughter kill his son whatever he wants to do and 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 so and it's out of shame because by doing so, you say, she did that. I didn't teach her to do that or he do that. She did that on her own and the shame is on her. And so they kill him to show that he has no shame. 
Joseph says, I will take the shame of this situation on myself. And I will bear this burden. And everybody will laugh at me. And everybody will whisper about me. And everybody will say, can you believe, Joseph, what a chump. Mary gets pregnant by somebody else. And he takes her and tries to hide it by marrying her. And that's what they're going to say the rest of his life. But you see that son he taught. About 33 years after this is kneeling in a garden. And he's about to take every sin that you and I and the rest of the world has ever committed. And he's going to take our shame. And he's going to go to a cross. And in that prayer he says, Father, if there's any other way. I don't want to drink this cup. Nevertheless, not my will. Thy will be done. I think Joseph taught him well. And Jesus gets up from that prayer. And he takes on, the Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for us. And he takes the shame of the sin of mankind on himself. And he carries it to a cross and he dies for us. Be like Joseph. Be like Jesus. Let God take away your sin and live for him for the rest of your day.